through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, now and always. Amen. Today, uh, I am going to do exactly what all my preaching professors at seminary told me not to do. I'm going to start out, actually, with the, the gospel, the, the good news, and, and the reason why is simple. It's because that's how this section of Romans 12 that we're reading today starts out. In fact, if we just look at the first half verse, this is what we read. God, God speaks through his servant, the Apostle Paul, and says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And as we see that word, therefore, Paul is really pointing back to the previous 11 chapters of this long epistle, this long letter that he wrote to the Christians in that ancient city of Rome. 11 chapters in which God lays out his divine love story for you and me. A story that they had seen and knew, a story of God's mercy. Right away at the beginning of Romans, Paul not only introduces himself, but introduces the central theme of this letter, a theme that we could sum up in the word righteousness, a state of being right with God. But then for the next couple of chapters, Paul gets into the really bad news that you and I are a far cry from that righteousness of God. That we have given ourselves over to all kinds of idolatries and immoralities, that, that we are lawbreakers in, in so many different ways we can't even begin to count them, that we by nature are sold to sin. But then in chapters 3 and 4, Paul executes this beautiful U-turn and gives us the, the very, very good news. The good news that God sent a Savior to go to a cross and die for that sin. There he bore it all. He suffered for all of it. He paid for all of it with his own blood. And as we look to him with eyes of faith and trusting hearts, it means that we have the forgiveness of each and every sin. It means that all of our guilt has been washed away by his blood. And then as Paul continues into chapters 5 and 6 and 7, he goes on to list all of these other blessings that we now have in our lives through faith in Jesus, that we now have fear, that we have hope instead of, of, of fear, that we have peace instead of despair, that we are now enabled by the Spirit living in us to, to serve God truly rather than to go on serving ourselves and serving sin. That we even have the, the confidence in our struggles against the sinful nature, even when we fall into temptation, that confidence that through Jesus, God still views us as his own holy and dear children. And then in chapter 8, Paul doubles down on all of this comfort stuff, pointing out that whatever forces there are which might stand in opposition to us, whether they're from this earth or whether they be in hell or wherever they are, says that none of them is able to kidnap you by force away from the much greater love of God that he has for you in Jesus. Paul goes on to say that each one of us is like a super conqueror through him who loved us. And then finally, in, in chapters 9, 10, and 11, Paul makes sure that all of his readers know that this love is for them. This grace of God is not something that was just for those of the bloodline of Abraham. The Jews know this is a grace that God extends also to the Gentiles. 
to those whose ancestry had long been cut off from the family of God through disobedience and unbelief. No, God's mercy is also for them. Therefore, in view of all of this, in view of this mercy, in view of the fact that we were destined and deserving of wrath, and yet Jesus has now given us a kingdom and made us heirs of that kingdom, here's what comes next. As we are waiting to come into that inheritance, as we are waiting in this time between Christ's first coming and looking with expectant eyes toward that second coming, God says we've got work to do. And today we are going to be looking at the fact as as we go through the rest of this lesson that God intends for us to see this as a time of faithful service. And we're going to consider both who we serve as well as what that service means as we dig into the rest of this lesson from Romans 12. For right now, I just want to look at the the second half of verse 1. We looked at the first half before. Here's how that finishes. We read, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That brings us to our our first key point for today, that faithful service begins with sacrifice, right? Right at the beginning of it all, right at the center of it all is that sacrifice of Christ on our behalves. He gives us life forever and he gives us also life, new life right now. And with that new life, God says that, that, that we are meant to offer ourselves as these living sacrifices. It's important to note that a sacrifice is never really something that goes part way. Right? When those Old Testament Israelites sacrificed a lamb, they didn't, they didn't kind of do that. Right? You don't sort of slaughter a bull and burn it up on the altar. Right? Likewise, Christ's sacrifice on our behalf was not some halfway thing. Right? Not in his living for us, not in his suffering hell for us, not in his dying for us. And so also, as we are in this in-between time, God does not call us to a halfway sacrifice either, as though we might keep one foot anchored in eternity and the other foot anchored in the cares, pleasures, and loves of this life. And that's really what Paul is driving at in verse 2, when he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right? And that word transformed means what? It means to be entirely changed, right? To be changed from one form or substance into an entirely different thing, entirely different appearance, entirely different form, entirely different essence, really. And here we see that the transformation is from one old pattern to a new one. From the pattern of this world to a far better one. And maybe I can use a couple of cookie cutters to help illustrate what we're talking about here. Appreciate this because it took me like 20 minutes to find the right ones yesterday, okay? By nature, every single one of us lives according to a certain pattern. 
And it's what Paul calls here the pattern of this world. I am cut by this pattern, and this is the pattern by which I, by nature, live my everyday life. What I think, what I say, what I do, how I live, how I make decisions, how I interact with the the people and and the things around me is done according to this pattern. But our hearts and our minds and our souls are made new again when we come into contact with this mercy of God, when we see his love for us in Christ Jesus, and this transforms us to a new pattern, the pattern of Christ Jesus himself, a pattern which he says is one of service. In Mark 10, verse 45, Jesus says to his disciples, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's a question which lies at the heart of all this faithful service stuff, and it's this. It's the question, to whom do I belong? Because when I know the answer to that question, I know who I am then meant to to serve with my life. Really, though, there are two parts to the answer, one which is more obvious to us and one which is a little bit less so, right? The obvious answer is to say, well, I belong to God, and so I am meant to serve him by worshiping him. And that's the the part of the answer that even Old Testament Israel during the time of Isaiah, who we read from earlier in the service, they understood the first half of that very well, at least on a surface level, right? It's why they engaged in the sacrifices. It's why they, they offered, the, the, they, they burned the incense. It's why they gathered together for these holy days and these, and these big festivals, why they raised their hands together in prayer. And we seem to have a pretty good sense of that as well, I think, right? It's why we gather together for worship, Right? It's why we come here on a weekend. It's why sometimes we even uh, enjoy those, those special services throughout the year on holidays and things like that together, Thanksgiving Eve, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, all those Holy Week opportunities that we have. And when we come to, to gather together like this and, and, and worship God, right, we do it. We sing the hymns. We pray the prayers. We pay rapt attention to the sermon We even make sacrifices of our own hard-earned paychecks by putting a gift into the offering plate when that comes by, right? We know that we belong to God, and so we also understand that we ought to serve him by worshiping him. But that's just one half of the answer. If we ignore the other half of the answer to this question, to whom do I belong, or if I pretend like it's not really all that important, so long as we do that first part really, really, really well, it becomes very easy to slip into the same mindset as Israel was in during Isaiah's time. To hide behind a mask of church rituals and rites and activities. And God has some very strong words for such a halfway sacrifice as this. Words like meaningless, detestable, worthless. In the end, 
it really ends up just being more of this, more of that pattern of the world dressed up in a religious outfit. To whom do I belong? Yes, I belong to God. Yes, I ought to serve him and and worship him with my entire heart, soul, and being. But there's another half to this, and that's what we're going to find as we finish our reading here from Romans 12 today. Paul goes on and says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. To whom do I belong? God, yes. Who am I meant to serve? God, yes. But we also see, and this is our our, our second key point today, that faithful service to God also means faithful service to one another because we belong to one another. That pattern of the world and, and the pattern of Old Testament Israel tends to see myself, what I have, who God has made me, my gifts, my talents, my abilities, my resources, my bank account, whatever it is, to see these as opportunities to serve myself with what I think will satisfy me. In fact, in our uh, sinful pride, we often take things a step further and we'll look at other people around us, their resources, their abilities as opportunities also to serve myself. But that is not our pattern anymore. You know the mercy of God. You see it on the cross. You hear it in the hymns. You feel it in baptism. You taste it and you smell it in the Lord's Supper. This mercy of a God who gave up everything to rescue you. And this transforms us into that pattern which is, in fact, the image of Christ. And in that image, we now look at all these things differently. My skills, my talents, my resources are no longer just opportunities to go around serving myself. No, we see these truly now as opportunities to serve others. Especially, the Bible says, those who belong to our family of believers with what will build them up and with what will satisfy them. And we're talking here about something even more than simply indulging somebody else's preferences to put a smile on their face. We're talking about something more even than than making sacrifices of our own resources to fill somebody else's temporal needs when they're in a time of trouble. Although it certainly does often include those very things I just mentioned. Don't get me wrong. But what is this faithful service at its heart? It means this, that we use whoever I am, whoever God has made me, whatever he has given me, 
to imprint that image, the image of Christ and his love on others, to impact them with his love again and again and again and again with our lives. As we demonstrate his love by our living sacrifices, by our faithful service, whatever that might look like, according to your individual skills and circumstances, we together strengthen each other, building up our own body in Christian faith, in Christian hope, Christian joy, Christian love, so that we would all together know true satisfaction, not a temporary satisfaction, but an eternal satisfaction. When Christ comes again in glory, you have seen his sacrifice for you, how he served you. Now we offer up our own bodies as living sacrifices in faithful service to God and in faithful service to one another. Amen. Amen.